opening to this week's show comes courtesy of D Jones Jacks on Twitter who writes, and then there was one, Mac is whack. This is the Totally Football League show. I didn't say it was good. If you too would like to open the show very much like when the Quo opened Live Aid, very much like that, then feel free, we're at the Totally Show. Only you too can follow my dire straits when Live Aid comes to town. Enter stage right, Adrian Clark. Hello. Were you at Live Aid? Nope. You're the only one old enough to be. <laughs> oh, scandalous. <laughs> Outrageous. <laughs> but you're probably right. I'm so coming. sorry. I'm so, I didn't mean that. And clearly it's not true. Then came the who. Who? Quite. Sam Parkin. Good morning. That was almost as bad. And, and I don't know why. Possibly the wrong side of bed I got out of. Who knows what bed. And finally, just like Madonna, couldn't be bothered to make it to London. No Joe Crilly this week. Game week 12 we roll into, but already midweek there was all sorts happening with Thierry Henry and Terry. Are they going to Aston Villa because Steve Bruce has gone? And Hull, the Hull City Supporters Trust, apparently they're going to try and buy the club with the UK-US consortium, all to do with Sportico, who they are. We'll find out, perhaps. And in the Championship, it's all about Neil Mopai. Ten goals, three assists and 79% shots on target. Where should we start? To the championship we head. And don't spare the cabbages. Three games featured bosses coming up against their old clubs. Ida Karanka with a 2-0 for Forrest at Borough. Steve McLaren saw QPR come from behind in a 1-1 at home to Derby. And Nigel Adkins' situation getting wilder by the moment, going down 1-0 with Hull at his old lot Sheffield United, who have only gone and gone top. And Ipswich. No old managers, but just winning. Ipswich win. Ipswich won. La, 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 la. The end of Steve Bruce then. Um, were you surprised, both of you, Adrian, well, and going? Last week I said that I would have stuck with him, um, but I think that the way the match against Preston panned out, it was no surprise. Obviously, we had Cabbage Gate, which, which basically the Villa fans... They got him out, didn't they? They, they voted um, with yeah, their, with their vegetables. Yeah, but you cabbage. No, it's completely disgraceful. And, and I think that those fans that really were so nasty towards him should hang their heads in shame, particularly mm. given that he lost both parents this year, carried on, didn't skip any games. You know, he, he acted with great dignity last year, Steve Bruce, and by and large did a fantastic job. So, so, so yeah, the fans got him out. Now, who who do they want? That's the big question. We were led to believe, weren't we, that Thierry Henry and John, John Terry were, were going to be the dream team. I don't really fancy that partnership, I have to say, based on the fact, A, they've got no managerial experience between them. And I just don't think two superstars together... Is is a natural fit? I do, will Terry be happy to be the, to be the number two? Do they have the same philosophies? They're two big egos clashing, and I don't know. I think on paper it looks amazing, but in reality I'm just not sold on it. But but as we speak right now, mm. we're led to believe that Thierry Henry doesn't want it anyway. Yeah, apparently Henry via Belgium, not the whole of Belgium, have spoken on his behalf, <laughs> but it, it's not happening. It is one of those, though, when you look at it, Sam, you've got one of the greatest ever strikers the Premier League has seen with one of the greatest ever defenders the Premier League has seen. Why shouldn't it work, apart from the fact we've not seen them manage? Yeah, if I was in the dressing room at Aston Villa this morning, I'd be excited at the prospect above any of the other names that have been mentioned, probably. Yeah, I mean, John knows the club as well. That would be in his favour. I think he had a good relationship, you could see, with the younger players last year. Obviously, the defensive players, he had a good relationship. So, I think considering that he's announced his retirement, the timing did surprise me because of knowing John 
like I do, you know, from being a young player, loves football. I felt he wanted to go on still, you know. We all struggle when you, you give up playing. I certainly did. And I think John's probably been wrestling with those feelings. So I think a conversation's been had about the next step and potentially it's going to be Aston Villa in some capacity. My thoughts, I agree completely really with what Adrian says, the two big egos, uh, would they be on the same page? Would one, would both want to be the manager ultimately? I think John, if he is going to be involved with a more experienced manager, maybe Rui Ferreira or Brendan Rodgers would be obviously right at the top of my list. I don't think that's going to be achievable though for Villa. Why not? Oh, I think he's happy at Celtic. I think he's come out. I think Brendan Rodgers has shown during his tenure at Liverpool and obviously with the trophy-laden period at Celtic that he could probably get a Premier League job would be my thoughts. And we have to remember, this is a club that is a little bit all over the place off the pitch. That's yeah. why I think it would be such a big risk for Dean Smith, for example, who, again, would be right up there for me in terms of someone who would get the team playing great football and get the fans on side. But what a huge gamble it would be for Dean to leave Brentford, where he seems to have it very good. When we spoke about Dean Smith previously in relation to Aston Villa, because it's not the first time that he's been he's been linked to the club, we said, well... He needs to come with everyone that buys players into Brentford. It's it's not just Dean Smith that you're getting. He's managing the players that are brought in for him with or, or without his say-so too. But that's kind of the situation he'd walk into Aston Villa. He's got the players there. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah, I, I just think he's a very good manager and he know he's proven, isn't he? And if I was to pick any manager to get them up this season... It would be him because he knows the division. He wouldn't need any time to get to know the players. I just feel he would be the right choice for now and maybe for the future. But it seems, judging from the vibes we're getting from Villa Park, the, the owners, maybe he's not glamorous enough for these owners. They're looking for someone uh, higher profile. Ruth Ferrier would be a really interesting one because obviously he's worked with Jason Mourinho a lot, but but he's never been a gaffer. And I'm always worried about number twos that, that want to become number ones. Yeah. It very, very rarely works. And... Yeah, I just don't think Villa are in a position where they should be taking risks. This is Aston Villa. They're a giant club. They they should be out there, you know, getting some of the best in the business interested in them. So to turn to someone like Faria, I think that would be underwhelming personally. But it would work for John Terry because he would know him. And if John Terry is the one that they really want, then maybe Faria as the number one with Terry as a package will be what they go for. There was a little bit of, of an eyebrow over there. Were you just trying to attract my attention or did you have a thought on that, Sam Parker? No, I've got a weird little twitch that I've developed over time. Um, no, no, I think I was just going to say the biggest concern is obviously on the pitch at the moment. Yeah. Um, do, do you think they genuinely believe they'll still go up this season? I think we've just been talking about it, but obviously the personnel, if you look at the squad, certainly in midfield and going forward, yeah, they've got an abundance of Definitely. talent, but the problem is still defensively. And you can only look at the last game where they played James Bree at right back and Alan Hutton played centre-half. So why has he gone and got Balassi and Abraham, Steve Bruce, in the last few weeks and not arrested that problem? I've just spoken about James Collins with Adrian. I know that he's, I think he's got a hamstring problem at the moment, which is maybe holding up him signing for a club. But why didn't they just go and get someone to replace John Terry in the summer, someone of similar ilk? And we probably wouldn't be having these conversations about their plight and Steve Bruce right now, they'd probably be a little bit further up the table. So for me, I don't think they're going to do it this year. I'll go out and say that. I think there's probably, there's definitely better units. Of course there is in a championship right now, more cohesive units who, who know 
the way that they're supposed to be playing, they go out and carry it out each week. We might not have Joe Crilly, but we do have William Hill Odds, and we do have producer Abby, who I've been told has a perfect Joe Crilly impression. I lied. Oh. <laughs> uh, can you tell her, though? Can you tell her? Can you tell her, though? Can you? Hey, Always. Abby, odds, then. Okay. William Hill. Yeah, just so any. Just any. any. It doesn't odds. have to be Aston Villa. doesn't have to be related to a manager. Just give us something. Well, John Terry, 5-2 to two, to become the next Aston Villa manager. Uh, Thierry Henry, though, still 4-11. to 11, So odds on there. And then Dean Smith and Rui Ferreira are also 10-1. to 1. And if you want a rogue shout, Arsene Wenger, 66-1. to 1. Ooh, is that all? <laughs> uh, do you have the Steve Redgrave back in the boat, John Terry, to return to playing football odds? No, you don't. Look at her back. She was rowing back from that. <laughs> It's not going to happen. Uh, at least we're not going to get you to say it. Arsene Wenger is an interesting one because he's still about. He's still around. He's still in the UK. He's, sniffing. Yeah, he's looking. He's looking younger. He's looking about ten years younger. Yeah, he, he's he's enjoying what looks like it might be his retirement. I, do you know what? If he was asked, I'm not 100 percent sure that he would say no because he loves football and he loves a challenge. And it what what a challenge it would be to to bring Villa to work back with to John the Terry. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Finger and Terry. I mean, yeah, wow, what a combination. I mean, yeah, I I, I don't know where I'd begin to to sort of analyse that, but. Mm, I'd, I'd love to see it happen. As much as I love that hmm noise from you two, I, I equally love the oh noise and Arsene Wenger. What I loved more was the, the sound you may pick up by listening carefully to the podcast around about a minute ago, which was the sound of a spittoon, or at least Abby kicking a chair. That is, we should mention Millwall beating them 2-1. Kevin McDonald was in charge, though, so we'll gloss over that. Sheffield United won Hull nil from the weekend. I'm mentioning that because there's new leaders in the table. Chris Wilder goes unchanged for the fourth in a row and he just makes it tick, doesn't he? We, we thought, mm. where is Sheffield United going to come this season? Is that ominous for everyone else just seeing them creep to the top? Yeah, possibly. The second season, obviously, that they've punched above their weight and I love these celebrations. Did you see that? A full-time <laughs> booting the ball in the air. Yeah, I mean, they're getting loads of plaudits for the way that they're playing, I think, first and foremost. Obviously, play kind of a sweeper in, in Egan and then the two centre-halves are pushing up, joining in with the wide players, creating overloads and getting lots of balls in the box. And um, yeah, they're getting uh, a lot of plaudits for the, the way that they're producing some, some wonderful football. I think they're having a bit of a problem uh, at home, teams setting up quite defensively and it wasn't their best performance, not as free-flowing, maybe because of the schedule as well. So didn't have that zip to their performance, but getting over the line and probably underlined by the fact that I think Henderson and, and Egan, the goalkeeper Henderson and Egan, the, the centre-half, were probably their standout players at the weekend. So not straightforward against Hull, but got the job done. And McGoldrick, what a signing he's proven, keeping Leon Clark probably the shining light. Well, one of the shining lights in the division last year, can't get yeah. in the team at the moment. And sends Hull bottom too. Yeah, yeah it's not, it's not going well for Hull. Look, they held them for long periods in that game. But, but yeah, no, I think the off-the-field issues over ownership if they can sort that out it might just give give the team a lift because they're just they're just sort of treading water really at the bottom of the table as, as for Sheffield United there's a brilliant save from Henderson at nil nil I think in that game that was the turning point so no brilliant I, I saw John Egan as a young player at South End uh, on loan a number of years ago now and I thought he was sensational then brilliant but I didn't know that he would take the, the career path he has he's, he's done it 
in increments, he went to Gillingham, didn't he? And, and then he's gone to Sheffield United. I think he's done it the right way again. I think he's ready to to go up to the to the Premier League, potentially. He's a, he's a key man for Sheffield United. Real real talent. Ollie Norwood going for a hat-trick of promotions to the Premier League. Brighton in 16-17, Fulham in 17-18. Sheffield United have 22 points from 27 since he joined. That was one of the stats of the weekend. We need to rattle through the rest of the Championship. Have to talk about it. We don't have to. And, and why do people say that? We have to, because Abby's saying, talk about Swansea, Ipswich. So we do. <laughs> Ipswich 3, Swansea 2. Swansea had chances in this one, but the relief for everyone at Ipswich walking away with that first win. Yeah, great character as well to concede an own goal and, and get pegged back to 2-2. Former player, Selina, who I'm sure they'd love to have in their, their ranks. That is a brilliant goal. And I'm really pleased for... Trevor Chaloba or Chalaba, whichever way you want to go. I saw him play as a centre-half, a great centre-half at that for the um, development squad at Chelsea over a number of years. Been outstanding at that level. First loan experience. Now he's playing, holding midfield. Got himself a goal. I don't think I've ever seen him score a goal. Headed goal from a set-piece. So brilliant for them. And I've seen some discussion about whether Paul Hurst has been quite fortunate that he's almost stumbled across a formula at the top end of the pitch. Sears hasn't really been anywhere near it. Dezel's back now. Edwards has probably been the pick of the signings. All three of those guys in the team, I think, for the first time starting lineup, and they really excelled. So I think sometimes you get a little bit fortunate, and maybe that's going to be a trio that he can stick with. And, and Dazelle, I think, one game against Middlesbrough came on 80 minutes of the weekend, already been linked with Arsenal yeah. and Tottenham in the uh, in the papers. So important for him and the club. Paul Hurst, they get his calmness, his decision-making on the ball. That gives them a different element. He's, I mean, he's tried enough things, hasn't he, Paul Hurst? Yeah. So one of them was bound to stick eventually. We can go Borough nil, Forest 2 if you want, or we can go Preston 4, Wigan nil. We can go anywhere else you like, Adrian. I'll, I'll take you back to Swansea a second. I, I thought it was quite a controversial decision from Potter to drop the keeper, um, Erwin Mulder, who I thought had been one of the best goalie, goalkeepers in the Championship. Every time I see the, see the highlights, see Swansea play the full game, he's been excellent. And he, he was rotated for the midweek game, did all right, got a clean sheet, but was a bit wobbly. And then he kept his place. And I know, I've noticed that some Swansea fans have been labelling Norvite the replacement chocolate wrists, which is the classic, the classic sort of goalkeeper put down. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know what was going on there with, with, with him putting Mulder in. Forrest, obviously, I, I saw them a few weeks ago. And I was impressed when they beat Sheffield Wednesday. So I'm not, I wasn't really that surprised they went to Borough uh, and played so well. Again, great rotation from Karanka. I mean, I looked at the team and again, it was it was two or three changes in the attacking departments. Joe Lolly comes comes in and scores a great goal. So no, they've, they, Nottingham Forest, now that they're turning the draws into victories, yeah. that was the key. Sometimes when you're drawing, you're lucky, you're scraping it. I think with Forest, it was the other way around. So I would expect them to stick around at the, at the top now, especially that they've got Graben going, who scored that first goal against Sheffield Wednesday, and now he, he can't stop. did hear it described those as the worst performance mm. under Pulis that, that they've seen Borough fans. Yeah, I saw that. And I mean, it was only two minor mistakes, really, for the goals. Ayala, I think, gave the first one away. And Lolly strode forward, and to hit it, to hit it when you're moving like that so sweetly was a one of the goals of the weekend, I think. And then just brilliant movement from Lewis Grabin again. Lolly, the provider, who is one of those players who's kind of had to bide his time, like Dawson. There's a few other like Watson that haven't played loads of games, but as Adrian says, when you're coming in and getting a tune out of pretty much everyone across the board, that's a real positive 
after the disappointment of the drop points against Millwall. Big result for them, but they kind of need to back it up now with a bit more consistency. I was just looking at Tony Pulis's 64% win record he's got with Middlesbrough. I mean, a little blip, perhaps, for them, and on they go. Preston 4, Wigan nil at this rare win for Preston but their first clean sheet since the opening day first win since the mm, opening day of the brilliant. season brilliant absolutely outstanding performance obviously the unluckiest player of the weekend was, was uh, Alan Dunn wasn't it with a, the shot that was that stayed out did you see the replay this 3.68 millimetres um, away from scoring the goal it was must be the closest sort of use of technology I've ever seen but no it was a brilliant performance Daniel Johnson in great form Callum Robinson in great form when they were losing Callum <clears> Robinson was playing really well so, so it was probably coming. This this game probably be remembered for the bad tackles. Ben Pearson, very naughty challenge on, on Nick Powell, and boy did Darren Gibson get his own back in football. I I never thought about this when when I got kicked. I just kind of forgot about it. I never even took 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 any notice of who did it. But most football, I was in the exception. Most footballers, and I'm sure, maybe Sam's one of these. They always oh, remember. Maybe. Well, I suspect as a centre forward, he is because they're all nasty. Like, really, deep down, deep like down, they're nasty. They clock it, they remember it, and they just log it up there. And they think, when the moment is right, I'm going to get you back, big style. And Darren Gibson, he, he, he was always, he reminds me of an old school player. God, I mean, it was a disgraceful challenge on Pearson later in the game. Very, very, very naughty. Were you that kind of lad, Sam? I'd always give the centre half the opportunity to, for it to be a nice, fair contest, and then. You know, 20 minutes in, you could normally sense which way it was going to go. But how long would you bear a grudge for? Because I've known players that have borne grudges for like a, a year. Like, and, and but it's so just... obvious. I mean, <laughs> I bear grudges now. <laughs> I bear grudges now, yeah. I see people on the gantry that I want to close line every now and again. No, um, yeah, I could think of a few. Do you remember Darren Holloway? He was a Sunderland. Sunderland, he came through. He was, a, he was at Bradford. I used to have a terrible time with him. There was the guys at Brighton. Danny Cullip, Guy Butters, Adam Virgo, people like that, you know. I think that was probably because of Danny Cullip's uh, demeanour. It kind of caught on with the rest of that Brighton back four. But yeah, there was there were certain teams who I'd had some real battles with throughout the years. But I'd, I generally used to kind of speak to them the early part of the game, the centre-halves, and do a little bit of sparring in the first 10, 15 minutes. And you could either be hard and fair yeah. or it could get a little bit naughty. I almost left it up to them. I don't know about anyone else. I'm just thinking about how I would operate in life with chocolate wrists now. Not because they'd fall off, but I'd just be I've, licking uh, them um, constantly. Poppadom wrists was always my favourite. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I, I, I did I did I'm not going to name the keeper but I did uh, once dub one of our goalkeepers who was a sub goalkeeper in non-league football that came into side I dubbed him the polo mint keeper because well anything at him there was just a hole there was a hole there it'd just go through the middle <laughs> see probably I'm having to think about that and, and then yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe it's too, no, too much no. yeah. we um Hmm. Right, where else should we go? Dwight Gale has now scored 31 goals in his last 42 appearances for Newcastle and West Brom. Mm. So in, in the EFL, 35 starts. He's only completed 90 minutes in 11 of those games. West Brom, again at the weekend, just showing firepower what they have when they came from behind. Uh, champions elect Stoke, because I think I called them <laughs> right at the start of the season. Thank God they've got a win. A Norwich eight-game unbeaten run coming to an end there. Unless you have a burning desire to talk about it. Oh, well, well, we should. Yeah, I'm like... Abby, Adrian, put his hand up. <laughs> I, yeah, I should just scream, shouldn't I? But being, being polite. Um, Lukas Jukovic, how can, we, how can oh, we let that one go? I mean, his first ever hat-trick. It's been coming. He's been excellent, hasn't he, all season? A, a beast in the air, I think it's fair to say. I think he's won more aerial duels than any other front man in the Championship. Great header at the weekend, one of the goals. The key 
goalkeeper had an absolute stinker for for Rotherham. But but the revelation really was that Sam had, had seen Jukovic in his speedos. <laughs> yeah, I did have a, a few days in Ibiza with him and some of the this it was the Swindon team after my vintage. But um, yeah, really good lad actually, really good lad. Had some good times with that. Was it the that end bunch. of the season you went to Ibiza? Yeah, end of the season. Prior, to, I think he probably even had his, had his big move to Everton by that stage. So he was obviously buying all the drinks. But yeah, good, really good lad, and uh, he's had to by this time to become a prolific goal scorer what I mean by that is this is probably the first time that he's been plundering so many goals but five in a week I think it is now got himself a free kick fizzed that one in and celebrated all patched up from what I would presume was a head injury so proper centre forward I'm still not chocolate wrist now I'm now thinking about foam parties and the Swindon team in Ibiza <laughs> at the Totally Show if you have any photographic evidence of Sam and Co in Ibiza you don't want that do you no. look at him running away definitely uh, not to League One should we go there alright you're listening to the Totally Football League Show in association with William Hill for all the latest odds in the footballing world check out williamhill.com or download the app and if you don't spot something you fancy, why not tweet at William Hill using the hashtag your odds for your very own personalised bet. 18 plus only, be gambleaware.org and when the fun stops, stop. To League One, or as we're calling it, gift the bottom teams a win week. Meow, that's just for the Black Cats winning 2-1 at Bradford. Max powered off again, but Sunderland closed the gap on the losing top two. Blackpool unbeaten in nine, but at only 13th after seven draws in their 11 games. Donny's form was whacked by Fleetwood in a 4-0. A Plymouth win! Plymouth win! And Akin Fenwer has his 200th goal in English football as Wickham with 2-1 winners over Burton. We can go Portsmouth nil, Gillingham two, a Tom Eves wonder goal, Posh nil, Barnsley four, Doncaster nil, Fleetwood four. Where do you want to go, you two mm. lovely lads? <laughs> I, I don't know if I've mentioned this uh, on the show, but I used to play with Dennis Bergkamp. Um... <laughs> when you say play, did you do like the rest of us, just stood there and watched it? <laughs> Pretty much. I've crowbarred it in. It's but it, just like it was, watching it was, Dennis Bergkamp. It was Bergkamp-esque, wasn't it? The, the goal from Tom Eaves. Yeah. Uh, it, it, was, it was classy, although I know that Sam is, Sam wants to sort of pour water on, on this wonderful couple of touches, flick over the defender and, and goal that reminded me of Dennis you're not quite having it are you Sam? Tom Eves then for Gillingham in their 2-0 win no I'm having it it's an unbelievable goal I'm just saying it was a just little kiss off his nose I think after his first touch but no, it's an exquisite goal yeah he, d- he deliberately kisses yeah, off his nose yeah took a little bit he? of pace off it maybe there was a bit better. of spin on it he just moved it onto his left foot no brilliant goal and um, that's the result of the weekend isn't it mm. team of the weekend definitely Gillingham considering uh, they've run they've been on and um, Portsmouth I've got a bit of a problem at home against teams they're expected to beat. Wickham, Gillingham and Shrewsbury in the last little run have failed to beat all, all three of those teams. So a little bit of a problem for them to overcome. I understand they were better in the second half when Thompson and Wheeler came on, but well beaten by a, a very good Gillingham performance. Yeah, booze at half-time, I was reading in the local press down there. So so that's interesting. They'd definitely be, That result had probably been coming. I think the, the drop-off in performance levels was there. As for Gillingham... It's, it's defensive. Obviously, they'll be thrilled with that clean sheet. They've scored as many goals, I've noticed, as Walsall, mm. who are fifth. So I don't think scoring goals is the issue for Gillingham. Um, if they tighten up at the back, they'll climb the league. The the posh should have been ahead. Mm. They had a, It was a kind of all up the other end. There was a penalty save from Ivan Tony, and then Monka went up and scored minutes later. That might have changed things, or you, you're saying not? Possibly. Tony misses the penalty. 
Obviously, they score. I think Matt Godden came on after 27 minutes yeah. and Steve Evans has spoken about setting up to try and stop Barnsley. I mean, that's always a little bit of a, a worrying thing to hear from a manager, especially one that's got such success playing a certain way this year. We've spoken about it, you know, four in the middle, turning it down the sides for two very enthusiastic athletic strikers. Cummings is nowhere near it at the moment. Has he been... Is his head in the right place after his misdemeanour off the pitch? Probably not, you'd have to say. So going with Tony was a surprise. Obviously, he he rejigged it around. But Barnsley, you know, good value for the win. And there's a couple of things and I'm sure Adrian will enjoy. No wins against the top six for, for Peterborough, which really surprises me. And they've got seven wins in the draw in the other games. Mm. So that shows you where they're falling away a little bit. But... Barnsley, excellent. And he, even without Kiefer Moore, he went off at half-time. The pick of the bunch, I thought, was um, Jacob Brown's fourth goal, the substitute oh. who came on. Just showed the defender the ball, a little bit of quick feet, got away, drilled it far corner. It was a, a brilliant goal to just put the icing on top of the cake. It does, for for all three of us, actually. We spoke about we thought Barnsley would do well, but also you thought that Portsmouth and Peterborough would drop off. So whether we're seeing that at the moment, Fleetwood, important win for them to end their they run. Big time, yeah. What a result that is, uh, Fauna. Not not a good week for Doncaster. Um, two goals from corners for Fleetwood, which no doubt will, will please Joe Barton. And I'm sure that he'll he'll be sort of feeling a couple of inches taller on the back of that. Uh, some of his quotes were interesting after the game. I don't know why he was talking about it, but it just brought brought something to my attention. He said, yeah, we're, we're looking into everything. He said, I'm, I'm being a bit of a counsellor to the players. Didn't realise you'd have to do this much stuff off the pitch but he also says we're researching fillings and veneers and and how they have an influence on players injuries I mean I don't really get it have you have you heard of this before because when I was a footballer the football clubs wanted me to to have their dentist Mm. I never really wanted to have their dentist I had my dentist from home I, I was happy with my dentist but I don't know why is there a link between between teeth and and injuries they're they're certainly was something a while ago teeth and back problems I think yeah. rings a bit of a bell I don't know they've yeah. all got veneers these days haven't they that's a, that's a busy job for someone have I ever told you that my dentist is the dentist for Team GB for the Olympics oh, okay. so when I was out in, in Rio dentist. this is me just dropping that on the, he did say if you have any teeth problems when you're in Rio just give us a call and I thought it was almost worth having a tooth problem to be seen by the, the celebrity dentist yeah waiting for the boxers you know just to maybe pop one but out yeah yeah look, I, I I don't really get it myself, but but these are the the, the lengths that even even league league one clubs are going to. to Makes sort sense. Of, well, if there is a link, then yeah. then I guess that, that you should look you should look into it. But yeah, well played Fleet, Fleetwood, who have, have had a couple of a big away performances now, haven't they? Um, I don't think we should write them off. Yeah, they batted Scunthorpe, didn't they? I think, but um, yeah, set pieces doing the damage at the weekend. I think it seemed like a bit of a strange game where if Doncaster had got themselves in front or or level would have been a completely different outcome. I don't think there was yeah. too much uh, between the two sides. Um, Joe Barton going back to a uh, 4-4-2 after playing a, a front three last few weeks. So he's going about his job nice and quietly and, and creeping up the table. I was giving you a toothy grin. Plymouth 1, Wimbledon nil. All hail former Chelmsford City prospect. Freddie Ladapo at Hayes and Grays and everywhere else he went to scoring the goal then. The relief from them, they do though go to Oxford United yeah. who went bottom as a result of Plymouth win, which is the brilliant thing of this. Having just, in a minute, we're about to talk about Tramir playing 
Macclesfield, which could arguably be one of the ties of the weekend. But just all these things are are just thrown up in the air and and drawn up, written in the stars. Yeah, I mean, that was a huge result. Uh, The goal was really well crafted. AFC AFC Wimbledon switched off a little bit. Graham Carey almost put it in from a ridiculous angle. And uh, Ladapo just nodded it in from a yard. And a goal that he really needed because I think he's been getting a bit of flack. But... I understand Peter Grant, who is son of Peter Grant, the old Celtic player. Him and Ryan Edwards were sensational centre-half and there's been a lot of pairings that Derek Adams has tried and it's not worked clearly. So those two excellent. Songo in midfield, very good performance. And you hope that's the turning point for Plymouth, given what they did last year. But I, you know, I think it wasn't the best game. It was just about getting the three points and they can really focus on this weekend, which is a a massive game against an Oxford team who nobody anticipated being down there. What is Max Power doing? Oh, what a wally. What a Sunderland wally. 2, well, Bradford City 1, Sunderland 2. So Sunderland winning at Bradford, but stupid red card. Yeah, he didn't even make contact with the player, did he? It was like an air shot, but, but the intent was there. Got That's the second red card, isn't it? So, Full game back. Yeah, I mean, that's shocking. He'll feel the pinch. Because Sunderland will fine him heavily, you know, having having been sent off a couple of times in my career. Yeah, that was one of the most painful things, a couple of weeks' wages. I mean, it can hurt you, hurt the lower league players. So you've you've got to be really, really careful about that. So no, he was he was an idiot. Apologies to Connor Ripley. I jinxed him. Uh, <laughs> I picked him up, didn't I, on the show last week. And he got himself a red card as well, didn't he? Um, for, in his defence, he just mistimed it. He came out, didn't he, to the edge of his box to try and clear the ball. Complete air shot. And he, he caught the player, karate kick. And off he goes. So, yeah. Yeah, sorry, Connor. That was League One then at the Totally Show. If you're a fan of anything to do with the Football League and you have a question, a comment or an observation that might involve photos. Listeners, even your good friends here at the Totally Football League show need to take a break from the football every now and then. That's why we read The Economist. And because you listen to the Totally Football League show, you can get yourself a free copy of The Economist right now by texting the word LEAGUE to 78070. The Economist is about far more than just economics and finance. Since 1843, it's been covering a range of subjects from politics and business to science, technology, arts and even sport. Now, in the Football League, you've got your Addicts, Charlton, your Mariners, Grimsby, your Shrimpers, Southend, your Shrimps, Morecambe and even your Cod Army, Fleetwood. That's a lot of fish-themed nicknames. And if you go back into The Economist archives, you'll find some fascinating articles about how the sea has fed civilization since the dawn of time and also how overfishing is one of the main threats to our oceans. The Economist is the smart guide to the forces changing your world. Get your free print copy now. Just text LEAGUE to 78070. That's LEAGUE to 78070. LEAGUE 2, Mac Wack, as we started the show. Macclesfield remain the only team without a win, and now they've no boss either. And then there was also one, FGR, Forest Green Rovers, remain the only unbeaten team in the whole of the EFL. Morecambe 3, Tranmere 4 had everything. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But Macclesfield nil, Notts County won, Mark Yates gone. They only appointed him in June after ASCII went. Uh, we've talked a lot about that particular managerial merry-go-round and whether it's worked for anyone concerned. But, but Macclesfield, it's kind of what you expect going into the Football League. What are your expectations? What has he met? The statement that came out, Mark was brought in the club during the summer despite a plethora of injuries to deal with, as well as an enormous amount of bad luck on occasions, fought gallantly in a bid to lift our league position to where we all want to be. Mm. Gallantly. Yeah, I, on this, I just think that if John Askey had stayed, 
they probably wouldn't be in that position. I, I, it goes to show how important a really good manager is. Mm. Everything was clicking. They didn't come up for no good reason. It wasn't a fluke that they, they got promoted from the National League, which isn't easy. So, yeah, it, it, they've just missed the gaffer. It's, it's as straightforward as that, as far as I can see. And they've got worse and worse. The confidence has, got, uh, uh, has drained away. We saw a terrible mistake from the centre-half, Kelleher, for the for the penalty in that game. And it's just, just yeah, just goes on and on. 35 league games without winning the league now. And uh, one more... One more, and it's a record, isn't it? They they will equal Derby County's unwanted record of 36 matches, which is unbelievable, by the way, from 10 years ago. Um, 36 matches in the league without winning, and they play Tranmere. I mean, looking at the, the lineups, I think, you know, when you've got a team, the continuity that they had last season and getting promoted, you expect the majority of that side to at least be given an opportunity. I think there's been a lot of changes, which has annoyed some sections of the supporters. Yeah, I know that Lowe's come back in the last few weeks, the centre-half and Hodgkiss, the, the, the full-back. Harry Smith started the season, a player I saw at Swindon a lot last year in front of Blissett, who did fantastic from last year in the, the National League. So I think the, it has been a difficulty in trying to get new players into the side and getting them up to speed. Maybe you should have been a bit more reliant on the players from last season. So that's been a bit of a problem. But obviously, I mean, I don't think the 8-0 at West Ham probably helped. No. Neither did the, was it by Leverkusen's tweet? That didn't help too much. Normally that kind of result, even irrelevant that it was against West Ham reserves, that normally gets a manager the sack. Yeah. So important that they got something out of Saturday's game. And unfortunately, it was a dreadful error punished gleefully by old John Stead. In our bid to get Port Vale mentioned, um, as we struggle to mention them every week, we just need them to do something. Uh, their old boss, Michael Brown, second favourite apparently for this one. There's a lot of different type of managers being linked with it. Russell Slade, who I worked with, he was an assistant at the time and he's great you know, around the place and man manager. I never worked with him as a manager. For me, I think Richie Wellens or Michael Brown, who are being linked Maybe would be the way I'd go, just maybe a bit of bias to get a young manager another opportunity, having had short periods at yeah. uh, Older Man, Port Vale, respectively. Yeah. So I'd like to see one of those guys been given a go geographically as well. They'll know the players up there. They'll know the leagues. They'll know the probably the type of players that they could try and recruit. And it should be good mm-hmm. to see those guys not, you know, on the scrap heap. Yeah, I, I'd probably disagree on the basis that it probably needs needs a, someone who's who's been around the block, someone that really understands the the division. With Wellens, I saw him last year. He was really panicky towards the end of last season. He was very enthusiastic. You know, he was sort of kicking every ball, heading every ball. You could see the pressure was maybe getting to him. I don't, yeah, I think if you, you don't want to see managers on the scrap heap after one failure, I do agree with that. But it's so hard to get another job. And again, I saw Michael Brown's portfolio, and they, they really weren't very good last year. So I, I just don't know what on, on what basis they'll they'll decide that they're the best the best candidates for this job. So. Um, what might happen here is that you get a lot of managers practically offering to do it for free. And that's dangerous because young managers are desperate to get that second chance, but, yeah. but you need someone that's good enough. Yeah, and the, the club may financially look at that and think, great. Big time, yeah. And, and a, lot of chairmen have, a lot of chairmen have fell for that one in yeah, the past. and doesn't work. Uh, should we get someone who knows all about appointing managers? Hopefully, fingers crossed. The current boss is doing all right. Nicola Palios, her of Tranmere Rovers, who, incidentally, Macclesfield have up next listeners we know you love football and we know you love listening to people talk about football so here's something that's right up your street it's the new audiobook version of kevin keegan's autobiography my life in football 
Keegan is one of the greatest players in English football history, famed for his style on the pitch, his relentless ambition and his passion for the game. Over nearly half a century as a player and a manager, there's little that King Kev hasn't done. There were the Ballon d'Ors, the Flares and the Perms with Liverpool and Hamburg in the 70s, that surprise stint with Southampton in the 80s, the 4-3s and the Love It, Love It with Newcastle in the 90s and, of course, in the noughties, resigning in the Wembley toilets with England and his controversial bust-up with Mike Ashley on his return to Newcastle. Two shocking moments in football that Kevin discusses in print for the very first time. Hear the highs and experience the lows by downloading the audiobook of My Life in Football from Audible now. Just head to audible.co.uk and search for My Life in Football. Step forward then, Vice Chair Nicola Palios. Uh, it's all going all right. The reason we've got you on is you had the game of the weekend. 4-3 win over Morecambe. At what stage did you get up from your seat, turn around and think, I can't watch this? <laughs> well, it was a bit of a repeat of the, uh, the, the the playoff final and, you know, the, the, the sort of roller coaster emotions through that game. At 3-1 up, we felt we were cruising and then to concede two goals, you know, your heart's in your boots again. And what a fabulous uh, 89th minute winner, though, to see all the game. It was, uh, it was a fantastic one for the neutrals to watch. I'm not sure it was so good for my blood pressure. Yeah, we all enjoyed it. I, I remember back in April of 2015 speaking to you and, and Mark at the time too about just how gutted you were to be dropping out of the Football League. Now that you're back, is it everything you expected, everything you hoped for? Yeah, there's such a buzz about the place. I think, you know, there's a massive sense of relief. There's a massive sense of pride to be back in being able to build on that and, and go forward. I mean, it was quite incredible after the, uh, the the playoff final win at Wembley. I mean, you could walk around in Birkenhead for sort of two months after that, and it was really palpable. People were walking around with smiles on their faces. You know, there was there was something that you could feel um, much much further outside the actual football club. The whole area got a lift from it, and I think football can do that for places. I know that James Norwood was suspended at the weekend and you won, so it's not all about him. But what is the latest on his contract situation? Are you still hopeful that he will be there for the remainder of the season and beyond that? Yeah, I mean, obviously he's contracted till the end of the season and, and we'll be speaking to him and, and, and hopefully he will stay with us. I mean, I don't think you have to be a rocket scientist to realise that, that we would like him to stay. You know, obviously, uh, he'll have an agent advising him, and he's he's clearly um, well loved here at, at the club, and and we would very much like him to stay with us. So we will be trying to make that happen. Tranmere Macclesfield on Friday. We've just spent uh, about four hours talking about Macclesfield and their their woes at the moment. I, I kind of think that a Friday night, it's officially non-league day this coming weekend, but with internationals too, you should get those thousands through the gate as well. What do you expect from Macclesfield? I've just got no kind of idea who's going to come out really. No, I mean, it, it's really difficult to, to know because obviously, you know, they, they've just released their manager. So who knows whether they'll have a new manager in place for Friday. And you often get, you know, odd results around that, um, you know, or what, when you've got a transition like that going on. So I think it's very difficult um, to know what to expect from them. Macclesfield always give us tough games. You know, it's a local derby, so there's a, a, a bit of extra spice to it. And obviously we were the two teams who uh, came up together last season. So it should be an interesting game. But yeah, there's very much an unknown quantity for, for this Friday. And just finally and, and quickly, and I'll allow you to be quick on this one, uh, Mickey Mellon, have you had an ear, in, an ear in his word? Have you had a word in his ear and said, right, we we want promotion this season? Is that what's expected? I, 
I don't think it's fair to put that kind of, of, of pressure um, ah. on, on, the, on a manager, to be honest. I mean, you know, we came up, I think somebody gave me the stat yesterday that we've made the um, second best return to the Football League in its history. Um, I don't know who's first, actually. I don't know if some stato can tell me that. It, it, it was a stat. So, you know, we are very happy um, with where we are. We said at, at, at the start of the season it would be great if we could be in the playoff places and in there, you know, round about the mix at the end of the season. Because if you get into the playoffs, then, you know, it's, it's, it's anybody's game. And we've shown, um, I think, from last season that, that, you know, we can pull it out of the bag when the pressure is on. So who knows? But I, I, I think it would be a really tough ask to, uh, to, to, to set uh, immediate promotion as a target for any manager. I'll let your ears and your whispers stay with yourselves then. Nicola, thank you so much. Good luck on Friday. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. Nicola Palios. <music> Tramway have done fantastically. 1,367 they took to Morecambe, which was the highest in League Two. They've got the support behind them. We said that about Lincoln before. That's why they continue to do so well. Since all bank, when they feel that too... And definitely just seeing those those changes between attendances between all the clubs in, in League Two and what a difference it can make. Yeah, and the momentum, isn't it, that we spoke about with Lincoln and on a number of occasions, you know, it's a well-supported area, that is, and, and obviously where Tranmere is, got really happy memories of playing there. And if they get on a run, the supporters will come out and they can be a real force at that level. Undoubtedly, they will be challenging for promotion, if not this year, but certainly next year. And I wanted to speak about Harvey Gilmore, the the young lad that got the the brace at the weekend on loan from Sheffield United. Just his second goal to win it was lovely. Just a little cutback left-hand side. And he kind of helped it on its way, the way the ball was travelling, whipped it left-footed right into the stanchion. And one of those glorious sights uh, of a huge away following going Mm. ballistic. A few people trying to get over the stewards to make their way onto the playing surface. But it looked like a glorious ending to what was a great game and so refreshing to hear two managers just saying, not dissecting it, going over the top, but just that was a brilliant game of football. Two teams playing football the right way, spoken about Morecambe trying to pass it, trying to outscore each other. Looked like a brilliant game. If, if I were a young player coming through, Mickey Millen's kind of the manager I feel like I'd, I'd want to get behind. And that's shown with how he gets the fans going to a couple of others from League Two. Yeovil 2, Exeter 2, Exeter remains second, but four points now behind Lincoln. Some individual mistakes costing them. Matt Taylor afterwards saying, I want more from this group. I won't settle for what I got today. And Berry 2, Mansfield 2. The reason I'm mentioning that is, did you see a photo on social media of the celebrations? Yeah, Danny Mayer, wasn't it? On he the referee's back. Jumped on the referee's back right in the corner. It was brilliant. Five wins in 23 <laughs> for, for Flickcroft at, at Mansfield, but for Danny Mayer jumping on the rest. I mean, if you did that, I'm not... Actually, that sounds like being rude again. But you'd expect to get sent off, wouldn't you, Sam? I used to lose the plot when I scored a few goals. I remember <laughs> a referee trying to stop me from going towards the away supporters. That's South End, actually. And I gave him a cuddle. You know, when he was coming over, he's gesticulating, get away from the fans. And I just gave him a little <laughs> hug. And then there was a referee's assistant doing similar at the county ground. And I got involved with him a little bit and got him involved in the celebrations as well. And maybe 10 years ago, 15 <laughs> years ago, he could get away with it a little bit more. But... Yeah, I used to lose the plot completely. I can't completely. believe that. I can't believe you're jumping on officials and getting away with it. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> Obviously, that 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 game was that is will be remembered for the mistake, wasn't it? Joe Murphy that was robbed. I mean, that was a schoolboy error, I guess. But 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 it was good to see Nicky Maynard. I thought I thought come come back from from nowhere really to to score a couple of goals. He, he's not scored in uh, twenty months. I I read ahead of ahead of that game, and and he he was. 
He was a big fish, wasn't mm. he? A few years ago, Nicky Maynard. He was, he was playing for Cardiff City. He did his pre-season at Crewe. Don't know what happened there because he obviously didn't didn't end up signing for them. Could, you know, could they not afford him? Did they not want him? He's ended up at Bury and he, he, he's done really well there. So, quick check on the odds for relegation, Abby, in League Two. Macclesfield are odds-on to be relegated ten to eleven, with Morecambe second most likely eleven to ten. So just flip those numbers round. Oh, you're so posh. I know. I love it. Posh odds. Well, I don't know why it's posh. Actually, you're just well spoken. Doesn't mean you're posh. It probably does, though. Okay. On Spotify, smart speaker, and podcast platforms everywhere, this is the Totally Football League Show from Muddy Knees Media. So we mentioned with Nicola Palios the big game of the weekend clearly is Tranmere Macclesfield. At least they're used to playing each other when not in the, the Football League, but now they're in the Football League. Two very contrasting starts to life back for both of them. It is International Week, non-league day, also Football League day. Of course, everyone encouraged to go along as the Premier League big boys won't be playing. Oxford United Plymouth, Barnsley Luton also tasty. Uh, which games would you like to look ahead to this coming weekend? I think Cambridge United against MK Dons is a really, really so interesting you're stick game. Two fingers up to everything I've just said and go there. Go there. Fine. Go, yeah, no, you asked me. You asked me to go. Go. <laughs> Cambridge United are bang in trouble. I think the manager, unfortunately, is is under pressure. We've seen so many changes at the bottom of League Two in terms of the managers losing their jobs. He needs something in this game. And unfortunately, MK Dons are starting to, to find their groove, aren't they? Yeah. They need to really raise their game, Cambridge United, in this game. MK Dons looking good. Chuk Zaniki, former Arsenal youngster, I saw, saw a fair bit of him when he was coming through the ranks. Looked for a while, actually, like he might, he might make it. He went on a few first-team tours, did really well. He sort of disappeared. He, come, he, he played for Crew. He's come back to MK Dons. Four goals in the last five matches. He'll be the man to stop at the... Abbey Stadium. I'm sure it's called something different these days, but I'll call it the Abbey. Just because she's here. Barnsley-Luton. I know that's the, the early game on, on Saturday. Just because Luton are, are picking up, they've been doing it without um, Luke Berry and Danny Hilton. So I think a real test of their credentials, because if I remember correctly, they would have probably been right up there uh, in terms of our thought process of who was going to be challenging for automatic. And mm. obviously that's... I, I think Barnsley now, we can we can safely say are probably, you know, they're probably my favourites to go up automatically, I would say, in front of, you know, Portsmouth, Peterborough and Sunderland. At the Totally Show, for any of your thoughts, anything you'd like us to talk about, Canary Mark says, thank you for the lovely love you gave NCFC last week. Obviously, our run ended then after drawing and losing two games. We deserve to win. I won't be asking again for the Totally Football Show, which is curse. Uh, who else have we cursed this week? Anyone else you want to curse before we go? <laughs> And that is the perfect response. Thank you to Abby, to Sam and to Adrian. Joe's back next week. And thank you to you for listening. I'm sorry. You've been listening to the Totally Football League show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. And make sure you check out our brand new podcast for this season, the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. Supporting your team can be a beautiful thing, but then come the injuries, the goal droughts and the downright disastrous defeats. That's a little bit like life really, and here at the Totally Football Show, we believe we should all support each other the way we support our team, through the good days and the bad. And that's why we're continuing to work with Calm, the campaign against living miserably, a charity dedicated to preventing male suicide. On average, 12 men take their own life every day in the UK. So that's your starting eleven and your manager every single day. 
And part of the problem is that many of us still feel uncomfortable talking about mental health and suicide, and this can often stop men from opening up and getting support when they need it the most. So if you're worried that someone close to you is having a tough time, check in with them and let them know that Calm is there. Every day from 5pm till midnight, Calm provide a free, confidential and anonymous helpline and web chat for any man who needs support. Visit thecalmzone.net to find out more about Calm.